Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, hey, hey. Joe here with Alex. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. How you doing, Alex? Good, man. How about you? I'm excited. I'm yeah? excited. I, I, uh, I'm tired, You're but t- um, I've, I've just been working really hard on these webinars. I've been doing these webinars about lease options and um, starting to partner with more and more people on deals. And, Excellent. Uh, I got something I'm pretty excited about. And I think it's okay for me to talk about it. Um, I've decided all of my course sales, when I sell my um, wholesaling lease options course, I'm going to donate all the profits to charity. Really? Yes. Awesome. That is awesome. And I've, I've picked this charity. It's called Hope International, and I love it. People can get more information. Go to hopeinternational.org. And they do some amazing things where, you know, the saying is you can give a man to fish and feed him for a day, or you can teach him how to fish and feed him for a lifetime. And so charity is awesome. There's a place for that. But these guys at this organization – um, it's Christ-centered. It's a Christian-based ministry, but they don't discriminate. And if you're, they help people who are Muslim and you know non-believers or atheists. They help everybody, but they teach them how to not just like give them food or, or give them orphan, you know, care and stuff like that, healthcare. But they um, they teach people how to they teach people how to start businesses, how to save money. They form little groups of people and they save money and put money together. And then they will lend money to people in their membership group um, who need money to buy a cow, to buy a sewing machine, to buy some equipment or produce to sell at their store. And they have an incredibly successful success rate, high success rate, where 95 or 98% of all of the loans they give to their members are paid back. They're not charged like super exorbitant uh, interest rates like some of these micro loan people do in these other countries, but they're teaching people how to become self-sustaining, to raise crops, to sell the crops, to build, start businesses, so they can support their families um, and and support other people. Um, and it's all Christian focused and based. And so I'm just super excited about it. And I just decided, you know what? Why don't I, when I sell a course, I'm just going to give 100% of the profits to charity. And, uh, you know, why, do, why am I doing that then? I mean, why am I selling these courses? Well, um, I, I, it's a way for me to give back. I love teaching and coaching, but I also find students to partner with on deals. So if somebody buys my course, they want to partner with on them. They want me to partner with them on deals. I'll partner with them on lease options. A lot of people are too afraid to, to make a mistake. They don't know what the first steps are. And so they get a, the way I do my partnering program is if they get a seller to say yes to a lease option, and they get a seller to fill out a simple one-page agreement, then I will get on the phone and work with that student and partner with them on the deal, and we'll split the profits 50-50. So I'm kind of pumped. I'm excited about it. So I, I'm excited because I do a webinar. People to fish everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, anyway, that's, uh, that's why I'm doing that. I'm excited. I'm, and I, I'm starting to spread the word out and tell people about that. Just And it also helps raise awareness for charities like this. Because there's a lot of needy people out there, you know, and you can't, you've, you'll never see a, a hearse, a hearse pulling a U-Haul. 
you can't take anything with you when you die. That's you know? right. And, mm-hmm. and, and what, the, what we give today is an investment in our future. In their future, it's an investment in eternity. And um, I want to be able to give back, and I don't want to be somebody that has squandered all the blessings that God's given to me. I want to be somebody that, uh, that, that is, has, been, has taken the talents that I've been given and been reinvested them. And, and it, the Bible says when you reinvest those things, you reap what you sow. And every time you reap and you give to the poor and you give to the needy and the widows and the orphans, um, you're, not, you're sowing and investing in their lives, and you will always, always get a return back ten times, a hundred times over. So I'm pumped. And hopefully that inspires somebody out there listening to this. I'm inspired. That's great. I'm ready to join up, Alex. <laughs> cool. All right. Awesome. So Beautiful. Uh, we have a special guest. His name is Patrick Clearly. Is that right? Did I say that? Clearly. Right? Clearly. So no L at the yeah. end. Clearly. No L at the end. Everybody wants to throw that extra L in there. I don't know why. That's really retarded. Why would they do that? <laughs> That's all right. And I'm sorry for saying that word again. I need to stop saying that. Yeah. It's not right to say that word. Okay. So, huh? um, Alex, we're going to be talking about something that's near and dear to your heart. You're doing a lot of these rehabs. Well, actually, more new construction than rehabs, but it's all good. <laughs> yeah. Are you doing any new new construction, Patrick, yourself? I do it. Uh, starting to get a little bit more here in San Diego because we're running out of uh, real estate. So it's kind of urban infill type thing where you're you know buying uh, certain properties that are uh, – decent neighborhoods, you know, or areas where I've identified some, you know, can make some decent profit and just basically scraping the house. And instead of rehabbing it, it's almost easier just to take it down. And then absolutely, uh, I agree. I love doing 100%. that. <laughs> but I, you know, mix it in recently. I did, I did one in an area close to where I live, which is an older neighborhood. And uh, younger crowd of people or professionals are trying to move into this area because it's like a sense of community within this big city. It's just got a, uh, you know, it's long street with local uh, businesses and, and uh, these younger crowd are moving out of downtown condos and coming up a little bit uh, north towards Mission Valley hmm. in this area. Normal Heights and these homes are like 100, 120 years old and they love the architectural style. But they don't want a 100-year-old kitchen. You know, everything's closed yeah. in. So it's just a combination of either evaluating that property and saying, okay, I can, I can rehab this thing and bring it up, you know, make it new kitchen and everything, keep the architectural style or just bring the uh, excavator out and level it and then try to recreate that home, the same style. So it fits in with the neighborhood and man it is just hot property. I'm telling you, I can't even get the sign in the ground and people are trying to buy them. Well, that's amazing. They're, they're cool. moving out of these condos. I thought everybody wanted to yeah. move into those condos. I think beautiful. people are just kind of feeling crowded, you know what I mean? A city, it's a big city, uh, just tons of traffic, and there's. I think that people just get worn out. And and the, these people that I sell to, I've sold uh, probably the last four or five places I've sold in this area are people, oldest is 30 years old or younger. I don't know where they're getting the money. I'm not asking. But they'll come in there and uh, – you know, a lot, even first-time homebuyers. Some of them are downtown renting, but they're in that uh, urban downtown hustle, and but it's probably fun for a while. And then, you know, there's no parking, 
and uh, it's just a hassle. So they want to, and this particular neighborhood is just really homey and easy going. You can walk to the restaurants. It's all local people. There's no, uh, you know, fast food restaurants. And I just, and they love the the uh, energy saving qualities of my house. You got to have all of that in there. Yeah. Very uh, conscious about all that. I, and I really love it. I because uh, I enjoy uh, taking a home back if I can. Number one, I'd rather take that that old home and take it back to its original glory with just an open concept kitchen and you know everything you see on TV kind of stuff. But nice. I mean, it's just fun. It's just a lot of lot of work. Hundred thousand more, you know, foundation problems. Uh, you know, you just you have to be willing to to dig in and really do the work. But uh, I enjoy it because it's close to my house and I like to see people happy with the finished product. So it's all good. Now you're, Sometimes you just got to tear it up. Patrick, you're in one of the most competitive markets in the United States, San Diego. Yeah. And how long have you been doing deals there? 15 years. Wow. Okay. Off and on. I've, uh, I started about 15 years ago, and uh, I read a book, and I'm like, you know what? I, I really like it. I think I'm going to try this. And there just was – I had no idea about networking, didn't know how to do any of this. I was just trying to look at uh, foreclosures, you know, went to the courthouse and basically tried to school myself, and it was a real struggle. And then uh, I ended up getting with C.T. Holmes, who's one of the biggest real estate people in San Diego, and I got on yeah. their TV show, Flip This House. And uh, you were on their that's show, Than Merrill, right? Yeah, yeah. with Than Merrill and uh, JD Sagan, Paul Sagan. I was their project manager for all their projects for three wow. and a half years. And uh, I mean, they just a huge company. And I learned, uh, I already had all the construction background, I just I learned how to be a businessman, wow. you know, from them. And then uh, I went out on my own because I can't work for anybody, I'm an <laughs> entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go my own way. So, but it was, uh, it was fun. The TV show was fun. Were you ever, were you ever experience. on the episodes? Yeah, I became, uh, they kind of got mad at me because I have a, a better sense of humor than they do. <laughs> I mean, I'm so you were getting, like you were getting more TV time than they were. I'm getting, they didn't really like that for a while there. It was like, it's just funny. You know, it's kind I'm kind of sarcastic and, uh, I said, I don't know. I'm not an actor. And he said, you don't have to be an actor. You're funny. Just go out and be yourself. You know, you just you stick this microphone on and the cameras and they're there all day because I'm there all day managing a project with like 15 guys on it. And, uh, you know, you just, you, know, you don't have no idea what's going to end up on television. So first time we're going to watch this show, I'm sitting down there with my wife and my daughter. Uh -oh. You know, I think I'll, <laughs> I'm going to be in there for like 30 seconds. I was on there for half the show. It's really exciting. Hopefully you didn't say anything kind of funny, stupid you know? that embarrassed you in front of your wife and daughter. No, that's all the stuff they want to put on TV. All the mistakes and all the crummy jokes. And when you get electrocuted. And, uh, Sorry about it's, that. It's funny. Yeah, that is funny. They're trying to, it's kind of funny how they, you know, they try to create controversy. And, and uh, it was kind what, of interesting. What year was that that you were on the show? 2008, 2009. Wow. Around the Stopped the show fun. basically because uh, it was on arts and entertainment and, uh, you know, they don't want to show a bunch of young. I'm not young, but these guys are a bunch of young guys making money on people's misfortune. You know, when the when the the downturn and the recession hit and everybody was losing their house and here we are, they're high five and going to the beach. We just bought your home and rehabbed it. It was like, no, we can't do that anymore. So 
they basically stopped the show because of that. And, uh, you know, they just had a sentiment in the country. That's not, not what the message they wanted to send, you know. So they asked us if we could, uh, if there any other ideas for a show. I don't think these guys were really that interested in it at the time. They just, uh, you know, it was good for a while. I think they were getting tired of it. It's, it's really a hassle because it, you know, you have to do a lot of stuff over again. Hey, can you bring that a uh, 500 pound propane tank back in again so we can film it? No you know, way. stuff like that. I heard yeah, uh, it's from fun a, for a while, but it's not. <laughs> you know, there was a guy we uh, I'm friends with who um, was approached to do one of those shows, and he was yeah. He has a great sense of humor. He's a passionate, energetic guy, and mm -hmm. um, he said yes. But when it came down to it, and he started really looking into like. All the things that he would have to do. I mean, he gets deals, but to have the pressure where once a month he had to buy, fix, and sell a property that was in his contract. Yeah. Um, he just he, he couldn't do it. And then luckily, uh, it, it, it all kind of fell apart. But yeah. I, I imagine there was some pressure from the CT Homes guys, Fortune Builders guys, to, to produce like that, right? They didn't really initially want to do it at all. I think they were, you know, thinking about building a long-term business, and they were really concerned about, um, you know, having what that would look like, you know, because it, it, it was early on. This was early on in those TV shows back, I don't know, 2005, I think, when they started it. They were back in Connecticut at that point, 2004, and there were very few shows on like this, and they didn't really know what that uh, reaction would be. In the mm -hmm. audience, you know, because they didn't want to look like a bunch of jokers screwing around and, and, you know, they was pretty serious about what they were doing at building a business. But what happened eventually was without them realizing it was that that notoriety that came from that TV show, they still use that in their marketing. Oh, yeah. You know, that hasn't been on TV in how many years? Like five, six years, but they show reruns. Yeah, some of the most or popular. People tell me, hey, I just saw you on TV. I'm like, what? That was six years ago one of the most popular shows on tv right now is that uh, the fixer upper show with that yeah. couple in um waco texas. In texas yeah i like really like them because they're you know as i do this every day for a living i really enjoy the process i love taking something and just i like the battle i like the the challenge of it i like you know turning something into and a, a really good looking property and, and I want people to be happy. I want those homeowners to be happy with a house. Hmm. And that process I see very seldom on TV, but uh, Joanne and Chip, as they are in uh, Waco, those they're awesome, man, because they love it. They, you can see their family. They're, yeah. they have, uh, they're nice to their children. They like, they like their life. And uh, they show – me stuff i just you know they they actually show the process of buying the property why you know they're not doing exactly what i'm doing yeah but yeah they're in that they do the rehab part the same way and they just do beautiful work you know i mean they it's just absolutely phenomenal when they're done it's always staged to the to the you know the maximum and uh they can you can tell they want people to be happy and that's the joy i get out of this too so pat talk I, a little I, bit about I was going to ask you, talk a little about what you are doing today. I mean, the market's really hot. Um, what have you been doing the last few years? What are you doing today? Um, what kind of volume are you doing? Well, one of the things that happened is I got I, I moved away from CT Homes after uh, after a period of about four years because I, I really wanted to do my own thing. You know, I wanted to – felt like now I have enough of a business sense. I understand how it works, how to get the money, you know, 
do the contracts and and all of that. So I started out, and uh, people helped me because I always, you know, keep a, a good reputation in town. And uh, you know, I started out small, and because I was doing volume work and had to manage like 30, 40 people at a time, which you know, five, ten, I've been, had up to 13, 14 projects going where you could barely spend fifteen minutes a day at each one if you're lucky, to going to just, I got one house. I got a house under contract. So I went from working for somebody else, like almost overnight, doing exactly the same thing, except for now I'm the business person. So it was difficult to learn how to get out of the business. Don't do the work because there's no money in doing the work. But I grew up that way, you know, so it was hard to stand back, be a businessman and realize if I don't get out of this thing, and get away from the actual day-to-day work on a job and get a crew to do this like I had, I'm just not going to make that much money because it takes too long. And by the time I'm done with the job and finished, put the hammer down, hey, we're done, I have no projects coming in you know, because mm-hmm. yeah. I haven't been looking for them. So now I do whatever is um, – I wouldn't say convenient, but what you know, it's I, I don't really ever like to get comfortable. But I'm like Alex in the sense that I really like to give back. And I've been I was in the Peace Corps twenty years ago in Honduras and Central America and spent two years working with uh, local community and little villages and getting clean water to their uh, to their villages and you know, I've continued that since then with my uh, different people in my family. So I like to go over there during the year. It's not all about money with me. I really like to maximize my friendships and my relationships and my network, including Todd Toback, who I love. He's been a great help to me. And to continue in that vein, I don't necessarily go out here crazy like I was when I was working for other people because they're driven by the money. I'm not driven by the money. I'm driven by a challenge more so than that. So I probably end up doing, you know, eight to 10 deals a year. I could do way more if I wanted to, but I like, I enjoy the coaching and the, and the relationships with people and being able to, uh, maybe empower somebody else to get this feeling of accomplishment that you get with flipping that first house. It's so awesome. It's so unbelievable. I want other people. I've learned over the years at all these boot camps and different things that I attended, with CT Homes and other people that all everybody that's in there paying their money wants to do this. And why don't they? Why do they never get there? Mm. How, what so many people never get there. I mean, it's not like they went out, flipped a house and didn't make any money. They never flipped anything. So that's what I, my focus is right now is to get those people to flip that first house. Get past that fear. Get out there and make this happen and get your dream. I was just talking today to one of our pastors at our church. Um, he was over at our house. We, you know, we have a bigger church, so we have like uh-huh. five or six pastors. And uh, he he didn't know I was doing real estate, and so I started talking a little bit about real estate. And he said, oh, you're in real estate. We need to talk. And he showed me this deal that he just sold. I think he's all in it for 105000 and he sold it for 160. And wow. uh, it's like, what? This guy's a, one of the pastors, and he's doing this part time on the sides, yeah. making fifty grand on these deals. Yeah. And he's now he's doing it with one of his sons, who is a handyman guy. But uh-huh. the only thing they subbed out was the electrical and plumbing. They did everything themselves. 
And I was so like yeah. happy. I was excited. Like, wow, this is awesome. And and this guy, he works hard. And don't think that pastors at churches don't work that hard. They're some of the yeah. hardest workers ever because they're you're you're on call twenty four seven. Yeah. And uh, these guys are working during the day, and then they have things going on in the evening, and they've got they always have to be on. It's really a tough, difficult job. So I was just so excited to see that. Uh-huh. But anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. There's a lot of different ways to do this. You know, I think people just get too kind of infatuated with watching TV, which are great. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. I like I watch these shows, too. So we make fun of some of them and, uh, and and learn from the others. But it's just kind of interesting. You know, people think that there's a you have to be entrepreneurial and you have to be you. I'm quitting my job tomorrow. Monday morning, I'm going to be a rehabber. And that's just the way it's going to happen. Who hmm. wants to do that? You know, there's very few people other than Todd Toback that are going to do something like that. You know, I mean, it's just a different crowd. So they, you kind of, I see these people in boot camps and my neighbors, when they find out that I do this, like you said, with, with the pastor, you know, everybody loves real estate. So they always have an opinion about it somehow. And they're just enamored with the fact that you actually do this for a living Pat. Yes, I do. But you know what? You can do this a million different ways. You can do what you're, what the pastor is doing. There's nothing wrong with that. What's your, What's your, uh, I mean, I, I don't ever like the word comfort because I'm not, I always picture myself sitting in a recliner watching TV. That's not what I'm about. I, I am all about challenges and going out and challenging myself. It doesn't have to be only in real estate. It can be, you know, I hear Alex talking here about how excited he is about this project that he's doing. That's that's what I like. You know, that's the same type of uh, uh, background that I have. I am so happy with my life personal life with my wife and my family. I'm so fortunate and so blessed that it's just no, that's not any reality to me to say, Hey, I'm going to go make some more money. And what is that going to do for me? You know, I've been around enough to know the blessings come through other people and being able to empower people. If I have that ability, if I have something where I can, uh, get somebody over the hump, it doesn't have to be only in real estate. It just happens to be that that's the business that I'm really good at. There's a lot of other things I'm really good at too. So I don't really, um, I found a kind of a zone in here with the real estate where I really love the coaching too, you know, but I love the rehabs and the combination of doing both. I have so many good opportunities and, uh, you know, I'm not a marketer. I'm a, I, I buy my stuff, my properties from wholesalers majority of the time. And uh, I can pick and choose, you know. I, I, I just, uh, I get a lot of good opportunities because I follow through and my word means something. It means a hell of a lot to me. And it means a lot to people out there when, uh, you know, you're trying, they're trying to close on something or something falls out of escrow. Uh, you know, they just need to close real quick. They'll call me. And I love that because then there's no competition and it's something that needs to get done. And if I say yes, then that's exactly what I mean. I'm going to, I'm going to follow through. So it's a business of uh, integrity. You know, I, I, I would like people to uh, approach it like that. You know, don't just think this is all about making money and we're going to get on top and I'm going to be number one. And I, I mean, that I have none of that. I'm in competition with me. I'm not in competition with you. I want to be able to be a good human being and a good uh, uh, spokesperson. And when 
you know, I don't have to get along with everybody. I don't have to be friends with everybody. I don't have to be, uh, uh, you know, a people pleaser. Everybody loves Pat, but I'm going to be honest and straightforward and, and do business the way I think it should be done. And that's you know, why I love working with Todd because he's straight ahead. It's interesting you say that about competition because, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I have so much competition. There's so many th things going on. But the fact is there is no competition because there is nobody that is you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You nobody else is going to be able to go out and present things the way you do. And nobody else can be you. So therefore, nobody else can work as you, if that makes sense. You know, so. Yeah. The only thing you are competing in against, like you said, is yourself. Nobody else is you. Nobody, nobody has your unique abilities, your unique talents, Absolutely. and your way to work with people. So yeah, we all have that. You know, we all have special talents, and I just try to get people to trust themselves. You know, they think too just, much. I think about you know the business and being successful. Being successful is having integrity and going out there with persistence and pursuing something that that you want to do and don't let the fear interfere with your uh endeavor don't let the fear i absolutely will not let fear interrupt my plans it's just not going to happen you and you know, know when you just rely on the money like you were saying that's when competition comes into play because anybody can offer a price and anybody can offer a number yeah. but not anybody can deal the way you deal and and, and you know, there's so much more value brought to the table than just well i can pay this that's it <laughs> yeah yeah i didn't always live that way you know and i have for a long number of years now you know what it, it feels better it just feels better i don't need to go out here and do anything uh underhanded or you know, kind of unsavory. It's just, I don't need to do it. I don't, it's just, it's not going to help me. It's not going to make me feel good at all at the end of the day that I made uh, uh, $10,000 by cheating somebody out of something, you know, just go out there and do the work, work hard, be honest, straightforward, do your deal. What do you want to do? Let's make the dream happen. It's hard work. It's great. It's fun. You know, just go. That's what I do. I'm not going to sit out here and uh, I'm not going to feel good if I, uh, you know, go out here and cheat somebody, it's just, it's no point in it to me. That's good. So Patrick, let's talk about the San Diego market if we can. Um, mm -hmm. cause you know, people, we do talk about, people talk about competition a lot. They think their market is too competitive. They think it's hard mm -hmm. and, and they use that as an excuse, but at the same time, it is competitive, I guess, in a certain sense, because there's a lot of people trying to get the same deals you're getting. Yeah. So in a, in a in a market like San Diego, and by the way, um, I know a lot of investors that are crushing it in markets in Southern California right now. <laughs> okay, uh -huh. because yeah. you, they may be spending a lot of money in marketing for every deal, but they're making a lot of money on each deal. And uh, so, can you talk a little bit about ways that you, some of the favorite ways you use to find the deals? My favorite way is when I don't have to do anything. Okay. You know, I'm just I have my I have so much experience in the rehab part that I'm almost just bound to do it. You know, I'm just totally comfortable when I walk into a property and it's just thrashed and it's just wires hanging down, there's mold everywhere. All right, let's go. Scares people. To me, I'm right at home because I have that background, you know. 
the marketing part of it and the uh, the other end of it, the wholesaling part of it, which I saw when I was at, you know working with different uh, investors, they don't have the the uh, construction background. It's actually a blessing because uh, they're not trying to put a toilet in or make any money on the rehab. Hmm. So what I've done, I made a kind of a half-hearted attempt at marketing, but I really just it's just two separate businesses compared to the rehab, you know. So I, what I do now because you know, during the recession, there wasn't, any, there weren't any wholesalers because there was nothing to wholesale. The banks had all the property, no equity. San Diego is just trashed, right? Late 2008, 9, 10, like there's just nothing here. You're buying everything from the bank. And then when the economy came back here, uh, wholesalers came out of everywhere. So now it's full speed wholesaling. And it just saves me from having to go out and try to be a marketing person, which I'm not. I don't want to do it. I don't like it. And uh, takes away from my other part of the business and the rehab. So I get my properties from people like Todd. I develop a, a solid relationship with these people. And I want them to know that I'm available and, and ready anytime. So email me, send me a text, whatever it is. I'm not going to buy everything. Mm-hmm. You know, some people you got to talk to and say, look, you send me 10 deals. I don't buy any. What am I going to say to you? You know what? You send me 10 properties and none of them are deals. Not not one of them. Because they're going to say, that, you know, wholesaler, they're wholesaling. They're not. They're going to get their money, as you know, right out of close of escrow and they're done. They're all, I haven't even started yet. I haven't even got the uh, roll off dumpster in, in the front yet. And you're gone and you got your ten twenty thousand dollars paycheck. You're down the road on to the next thing. I'm sitting here with a house that I bought. It's not a deal, and it's never going to be a deal as long as I work on it because I bought it wrong. So my what I do is I focus in on really being good at evaluating property. When uh, wholesalers, who I talk to all of them, send me everything you have. You know, there might be a criteria, price range, but that's it. Send them to me. I'll look at them, and if I'm interested, I'll put an offer in. That means I want to buy it. I'm not going to put an offer in if I'm not going to buy it, obviously. I'm not going to you know, waste their time or my time. But I keep really good uh, relationships with the wholesalers because there's a lot of people out there wholesaling right mm-hmm. now and in San Diego. Like you said, they're making money. And it's not so much that some of them are good and some of them are bad. It's just that individually it's my responsibility to do the due diligence and check each one of these properties that I'm serious about and make sure that those comps – uh, match up to what they're saying. I, I don't even really care to, uh, from a from a perspective of a wholesaler about comps. I'll get my own comps. That's just my job, you know. Yeah. And that in that way, there's there's really plenty of work. It's just if you try to work the MLS like a lot of people do when they start because they don't have the relationships that I have with people, or don't know how to get a hold of a wholesaler, they. Uh, you know they'll go to the MLS or they'll try working off a of Redfin or Realtor.com, and then then you're then you're really battling because you're you know everybody else is looking at the same thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And with a wholesaler, you're just going to have a smaller crowd of people, and you're also going to have a more uh, professional group of people that are not going to buy everything, you know. So it's just a much easier way for me. Right now, I love this because there's lots of wholesalers. I got lots of different properties coming my way. And, uh, you know, it's really pretty simple right now to get money from a hard money lender. And 
it's just it's good. The market in general is really, really tight. It's it's you know, it's a seller's market. So when you get a hold of a property, what I do is I maximize that property and make it as absolutely as nice as possible because it's going to pay off every single time. Yeah, because there's lots of buyers here and there's lots of qualified people. The economy is strong. Everybody's working and there's just not enough houses for sale. And they're not, you know, if they are, they're not fixed up like rehabbers are going to do. So to rehab in San Diego right now, anywhere in Southern Cal is, is, a, is a really a good deal. So that's, you know, I don't have to market right that's now. Good. I do in slower times, I'll market right now. I don't have to. What are you seeing as far as the market in San Diego or in California in general? Um, is it stagnating? Is it um, doing well? Is it growing, flattening out? What, what do you see? I see the appreciation flattening out. I mean, San Francisco is always a pretty good indicator in California. It's the highest uh, metro area or Marin County, a little bit above uh, San Francisco. is just crazy. I mean, people can't even afford houses at all. Yeah. I mean, they can't even afford to live there. Well, that can't possibly uh, sustain itself, you know, at some point. So that's starting to level off, and I'm glad it is because I don't like to see, uh, you know, the appreciation go so uh, so extensive and, and continuing at such a high uh, pace that it people can't afford a house, you know. Right now in San Diego – I mean, it just—it's amazing how, how I'm always surprised by the people that come in, young people that have the money that they have. It doesn't seem to be any problem at all with uh, people coming up with, you know, four hundred fifty thousand dollars. Some of them pay cash; they'll get it from their parents or somebody has it. And here in San Diego, and I know all of Southern Cal, really, you have buyers from all over the world. This is international community. You could sell to people from Italy, China, you know, Uruguay. There's, it's, it's if you stay on the coast and close enough, uh, you know, to the ocean, you're gonna, you're, you're gonna have absolutely no problem. Even high-end million-dollar homes is, you know, I've worked on some of those. I worked on a seven million-dollar home last year, right on the ocean. I would be, I, I wouldn't want to take that, that risk as an investor. But I worked on it as a property manager for some friends of mine. And, uh, you know, those buyers are out there, too. It seems like right now the only real difficult area is right around a million to uh, like a million seven seems to be the houses that stay on the market longer. Yeah. So anything yeah. below that or way high, like five million, it just sells really easy. And anywhere anywhere in town, you just – there's a – there's a cutoff when you start heading east towards Arizona that you're not going to attract international buyers, you know, and that's who I want. I, I want I want people that have the the money, you know, to buy this house that I'm yeah. that I'm selling. I, I don't want to I don't want to have to sit here. Good, I want good. the house to sell in a week. So the market looks really strong in Southern Cal. Looks, I mean, it's just. Uh, it's just frustrating for the buyers. Not enough yeah. inventory. Yeah. Not enough home to go to go around for the qualified buyers. Plenty of buyers. Good, good. All right. So, Patrick, um, talk a little bit about you know, Alex. You can touch on this too. Um, sure. A lot of wholesalers out there, all they they just have a one track mind. I'm going to flip this contract. I'm going to flip this contract, and 
and maybe even whole, uh, rehabbing seems is a little intimidating to them. Can you talk a little bit about how wholesalers can maybe take some of their good deals and rehab them themselves? Is, is there any reason, good reason to be intimidated by that or be afraid of that? Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, if you're a wholesaler, really, there's only two ways to make more money. You can either, you know, increase the number of deals you're going to do, or you can increase the amount of money you're going to make on the deals you're already doing. So, you know, you don't have to try to rehab every deal that comes across your desk and think, oh, I got to be a rehabber now. But just, you know, cherry pick those good ones. I have, I know people that do that here. It's just unbelievable because, they just kind of leverage other people's experience, like my crew, you know what I mean? So they have, uh, they're not keeping somebody busy all the time, but they can go out and triple, even quadruple the amount of money that they can make on every deal. So you got these, uh, you know, you're a marketer, you're out there, uh, you know, marketing and deals are coming in, you're talking to the, uh, the homeowners, whoever. How's your deals coming in? And you see one that's just like a home run. I mean, it, it, why give it away? Hmm. You don't have to be intimidated by the fact that you don't have a crew. You can leverage all that. I can show you how to do that. I can show you how to get hard money. It's it's not uh, difficult at all. I mean, sometimes we have this uh, idea that wholesalers on one side of the room and the rehabbers are on the other side of the room, and we're two different types of people. We're in the exact same business, you know, and yeah. Uh, it's interchangeable. There's no reason to, I mean, I personally like to know a lot or a little bit, I should say about everything. I want to know how wholesaling works. I want to know how you market. I always talk with Todd about stuff like this and we joke about uh switching roles. I mean, he's just totally, uh, doesn't have any idea. I actually remodeled his house last year. Oh, you were how, the guy. He doesn't even, yeah. He doesn't even know how <laughs> I do it. So I don't even know how you do this every day. But yeah. you know what? I, I I think it's a it's a it's a mistake for wholesalers to not think in terms of because you are in the absolute best position of anybody in the business. You are the you're the king. Anybody that's a that's a wholesaler because this is what rehabbers absolutely have an aversion to. They do not want to go out and market. They just want you to give them a deal, and then. You know, so you're the one that has what's the most important about this business, and that's getting a real deal. How do you get one? You know, yeah. can't rehab it if you don't have a deal. So you are, you're already in the business. If you just go a little bit farther, you can learn how to take those ones that show up that are really good, leverage other people's experience. You know, use a crew. You don't have to go get your crew. You don't have to go out and, you know, invent the wheel all over again. You just access and leverage other people's experience. And you're managing the entire project with contracts. You know, this is one of the things I learned uh, from working with CT Homes and other uh, business people was the, the, uh, the, how you can control a project really well by just making sure that you have the contracts in place. You know, payment schedules, uh, scope of work, timelines, things like that. I mean, it's just really not that hard. Or you only have to manage one person, that general contractor. You know, you're not going to go out and hire a crew of guys. You're going to go out and try to find drywall guys and painters and all. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, it's just not. There's no point. In it. I don't even do it as a uh, 
as a rehabber, I manage a general contractor. I get one guy, and that's who I'm dealing with. I'm paying one person who has a license, has liability insurance. I'm not taking that risk. So that's part of, uh, you know, my business. I like I like to see people, uh, you know, get out there and try new stuff. But this is just so it's so it's such an easy transition for a wholesaler because you are in the absolute. Uh, best position because you're getting all these deals coming right your way. Nice, you know. Yeah, Alex. Alex, what is your what's your impression on that? Your thoughts on that? I mean, you've you've wholesaled a lot of houses, but you now rehab a lot of houses. Why do uh, you? Yeah, uh, right now I have a lot of new construction going, and it's it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to be careful in this business when it comes to renovations and rehabs or new construction or whatever it is. Because liability is a real thing. Uh, so if you are working with people that are not licensed or insured, if uh, you've got somebody that you hire off Craigslist and they say, oh, yeah, I can tear that wall down for you or whatever you need, I can do. And they end up cutting their hand off on your job. Well, guess who is going to be stuck with that bill for a long time? <laughs> right. But how, there's ways you can protect yourself from that, right? No, the only way to protect yourself is to make sure they are licensed and insured yeah. and give you a uh, lic- um, a, uh, um, or a certificate of insurance uh, that names you as insured. If they're not licensed and insured, it comes back to you. Yeah. Um, one way to protect yourself is to get a general contractor to stand in that gap um, with, a, with a license and then everything comes back to him. And he acts as a shield for you, basically. That's good. Just cool. much easier that way, you know. Well, people don't even think, think about hiring guys. It's just it's just way too much liability. People think that uh, if they hire a general contractor, that cuts in too much into their profits. What would you say to that? I'd say you need yeah. to go to a real estate investment club and uh, go hang out with some investors and uh, talk with people about. You have to find those people that are already working with investors. You can't just go out and say, hey, I'm going to go talk to a GC on a job. Those guys are not going to want to talk to you at all. I've had them hang up on me on the phone because really? they know I'm trying to <laughs> They get mad because they – it's just – it's like especially here in Southern California, you know. I mean we're 15 minutes away from another country, completely different country. You have all kinds of people that are in this uh, – in, in working environment in San Diego, not just from Mexico, all over the place, you know. And when people need to work, they need to eat. They're not going to. They're not going to be working, uh, you know, for top dollar. They want to go to work. But as as this happens, you still have this whole segment of the population that's doing everything legal. They're getting licensed by the state of California. They're having a general contractor's license. I use a lot of subcontractors. You know, they're totally self-motivated, have their own business. All the uh, guys that do the heating, cooling systems for me, the electricians, the plumbers, all have their own business. They're all, you know, so they're taking on their own liability, workman's comp, all that stuff. I'm not going to go out and hire individual people. It's just crazy. I mean, sure, you can get somebody to work for 10, 12 bucks an hour, but it's like uh, Alex is saying. I mean, one, just like those guys at CT Homes told me i mean one guy falls off the roof that's it man and they're coming after us because you have the money so i'm not going to lose my business 
over some person that is not insured, doesn't have liability, I'm just not going to do it. You have to find general contractors that already work with investors. These are types of people that actually like to work. They know they're not going to get retail from me. I'm not a homeowner. I'm yeah. a wholesale. You're going to give me wholesale prices. You're going to go work for a homeowner? What are you going to do? You're going to rehab one kitchen. You know how many kitchens you're going to rehab for me? You can do 10 of them this year, but you're not going to get the money that you're getting from that woman over there. You're not going to get it. So what I do is I'm nice about it. I don't even let them bid a job. I give them the budget. Here's the budget, guys. Let's go through the list. And we go through a scope of work. And I tell them what we're going to pay. And then there's never, ever anything but a big silence when I mention the number. This is going to be 50 grand. I mean, we're talking about a real specific itemized list of what's going to happen on this project they'll get they'll do it i mean i used to do it that's why i know how to do it because that's the position i used to be in and i want people to make money but you're not going to make big money working for me what you're going to do is have a full-time job all the time and you have a crew of guys and they're going to be working all the time and that's what these types of people you need to be approaching because if you're just going out there talking to general contractors They'll hang up on you. They don't even want to talk to you because they're going to go and they're going to work for Mrs. Smith over here and charge him $50,000 to put in a kitchen. I can do the entire rehab on the whole house for fifty grand. But, you know, it's the way that you approach them. I don't, I don't want to every single job go out and use a whole new set of guys. You know, I want to keep the same people. I have some people that have been working for me for six years. You know, everybody's yeah. legal, everybody's licensed, they all have liability insurance. I'm not going to hire any subcontractor. They have to continually, I get uh, proof of coverage, liability insurance. I'm not going to lose my business and my house. And, you know, I have an LLC, but still, it's just, it's just, you're just taking way too big of a risk. But then on the other hand, you have to access that network of people in other, you know, not every investor is going to want to tell you who their crew is. But if I'm driving around and I'm heading over to Vaughn's, I'm going to the grocery store and I see a 40 yard roll off dumpster in front of a house, I'm going to stop and talk to him. Yeah, hey, guess what, what else? Doing? Is, uh, guess what's public record? Yeah. Permits and the people that are pulling them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you just go and talk to them and find, uh, Find out who's doing that, and you'll find, you know, you'll find some good, reputable people that are all, you know, I mean, it's in, here in California, all you have to do is go on the internet and go to the California State License Board. You can see right there if somebody's licensed and bonded and has Bertman's comp. If you don't have all that stuff, you should never do this. Just don't even do it because you're taking such a risk. If somebody gets hurt, I mean, you're it's done, just finished, and you don't want anybody getting hurt anyway, you know. But it's just. You just have to think in terms of when I start interviewing somebody for a job and talking to them, I let them know right away I'm not paying retail. You know, but you're going to have consistent lots of work if you if you do your job and we can work together. You're going to have work all the time because I'll do 10, 15 houses or more a year, and all of my friends are going to be calling me, asking me if I know somebody. You know, that's just the way it goes. Good, good. Well, I like how you're. You, you're using leverage in this business, right? You're using other wholesalers yeah. to bring you your deals. 
Um, you're, you are using good contractors to do the work for you. You're not swinging the hammer yourself. And you're developing, you have really good systems in place to make sure that all your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed, right? Yes, exactly. Why yeah, so this shouldn't be hard for a wholesaler, you know? You mentioned something earlier, Patrick. Why aren't more people doing this, you know? Why aren't these um, investors out there, they, they, they've taken the courses, they've, they've listened to the podcasts, they know what they need to do, but they're not doing it. Why, what's your philosophy on that? What do, why do you think that is? I think one of the advantages I have is, from my perspective, I started out and struggled so hard. And, you know, 15 years ago, there just wasn't that much. It wasn't as popular about flipping houses then as it is now. And there wasn't that much information or uh, TV shows or any of that kind of stuff. And I, the, n- the number one mistake I made was just not having a, a network. I didn't know anything about it. I was doing the Lone Ranger deal. And then... Once I got into this, especially with CT Home, I realized this whole business is about networking and relationships and leveraging other people's experiences, not trying to do every bit of it yourself, is that uh, I would get introduced also to these uh, because those guys had the TV show. You know, they started teaching and we would have boot camps. There'd be 200, 250 people at Hard Rock Hotel, for example, in San Diego, right? Fired up. People just cranked up. It's like you got to go into, you know, high school football games coming up. Pep rally for the yeah. entire weekend. What in the world happens to all those people? I mean, they're there. They pay their money. They're excited. They're ready to roll. And then Monday morning shows up and they got 13 boxes full of CDs and how-to kind of things. It's like, wow, now you're by yourself. There is no pep rally, no Than Merrill, no entrepreneurial spirit, nothing. And it's like, what in the world did I think I was doing? You know. And I think people just absolutely get full of fear of inaction. They don't know where to start because you get so much information. There's really just – it's just too difficult. That's why I've – Focused in now in in our business on getting people to get through that first one because it's that first one that's so emotionally difficult. People will come up with all kinds of reasons why I can't do this. Let's look at some of the reasons why you can do this. I don't have any money. I said, you don't need any money. It's easy to get money. So I just it's, – it's really it's, – it's like a challenge to me because the psychology behind this is fascinating to me that people absolutely want to do this. I mean, you're not going to spend $3,000 to go to a boot camp and just because you have a passing interest. I mean, you're seriously wanting to do this, wanting to change your your life or your you know, have more freedom, whatever it happens to be. What yeah. happened to that dream? Where did that dream go? Why did you let that go? You know? Where's the persistence? Where's the – I'm just hard-headed enough to keep going. The only reason I made it – I mean, it wasn't like I was doing anything right. It took me a long time before I realized, uh, you know, how, how you have to network and work with other people, leverage people. But it's just that first one is really difficult. It's just – it's not that people go out here and flip a house and lose money. They never do anything. I mean, I've met people that have spent 50 thousand dollars and never done anything nothing 
<laughs> they just are frozen. They're just frozen. They feel bad. They gave up on themselves. I mean, you know, I want to help those people. I want to see those people get that dream, man, because there is nothing better than getting that first uh, check or wire transfer into your account. The feeling of, uh, of, of just the fact that all the stuff you had to overcome and all the fear and you pushed it all aside and you went through it and you did it anyway and you got – once you get to that point, you're off and running then. Then, then you can then you can do whatever you want because you've challenged yourself and not allowed your fear to get in the way and stop you from doing this. I mean, and this is the majority of people. Majority of yeah. people, Joe, don't do anything. They just buy information. Well, that's and never go into business. That's sad. It's frustrating, and it's it's also one reason why I think people need a coach. They need a coach that can talk to yeah. them personally, one on one. Kick them in the pants, you know, mm-hmm. and say, yeah. what's in the back of the pants? <laughs> not, <laughs> not the front of the pants. They can kick exactly. them in the, in the back of the <laughs> pants. <laughs> you know, I've used that phrase before, but I never even thought front or back of the anybody. pants. <laughs> oh, boy. So anyway, but people need that, you know. They need a kick in the back of the pants to um, – Push them out there and, and tell them, listen, don't be afraid to make mistakes because if you're working with a coach, then um, I'm going to pre- help you s- prevent making those mistakes. And exactly. especially when rehabbing, I mean, how much bigger, what other type of real estate can you do where you have the potential to make such big mistakes, right? Yeah, exactly. And people, I think the, the fear, you know, uh, when you get out there on your own after all the boot camps and all the stuff, I mean, it's just exciting. I love when I was in the middle of the recession, absolutely just the worst, re- you know, thing we've been through economically in 80 years. And I'm on, in uh, in Connecticut with these guys going to this boot camp and here's a room full of people. I just admired everybody in there. I was like, wow, look at that. everybody saying, you know what? I don't care what what the economy is doing. I'm going to go out and. And be a real estate investor. Yep. So I started interviewing people and talking to people about why are you here? Why would you do this? What are you, what are you interested in? I was just curious about it because I love psychology, you know. And uh, one of the things that I noticed for sure in my coaching is people really need accountability. They need to be held to a time frame. You know, I'm, I, I don't force people to do stuff. It's just like, if you're going to come with me, guess what? You're going to flip a house. I mean, you are going to flip a house, so I hope you're ready. Because guess what? You're going to do homework. You're going to go into action. We don't need any more information. You need to go into taking massive action. This week, you're going to go out and you're going to call and interview five hard money lenders. And next Friday... We're going to talk about all of that. So a lot of people will go out and do this just because they know they got to talk to me on Friday, you know, and they don't want to uh, not say I didn't do anything. So that, and you know, and when you're on your own, your mind, this uh, 10 pound thing that we have on our shoulders is not our best friend all the time, you know, and it'll talk you out of it. Oh, I didn't really want to rehab anyway. I've heard people say that. It's like, what? Really? You've talked yourself into completely, you're so fearful and so afraid of the unknown that you've talked yourself out of 
being a real estate investor and convinced yourself against all the odds, I mean, against all the uh, facts that you don't want to do this. This is how afraid people get. And yet, they just spent $3,000 going to a boot camp. I mean, it's crazy. So I like to get those people and empower them in a nice way. You know what I mean? In a good way. Just battle through it, man. There is nothing better than standing up for yourself, fighting through your fears and getting up there and saying, man, I did it. I did it. I mean, in anything in life, we just happen to be doing real estate, you know? And that's the big, that's all really what it is. It doesn't have anything to do with, I don't want to hear anything about the market's too tight. There's too many people. I, I always say, is there anybody rehabbing out there? If there's somebody rehabbing and they're doing it, I know I can do it. Yeah. I, you know, I know I can do it. I'm going to do it. I don't care. I remember one time, I remember one time I was talking with a client who was in the Denver market and was complaining about it being difficult and hard. And I said, all right, it's hard. Let's take a look at who is actually buying houses there. And we pulled up a list in the last two or three months of all of the absentee owners, which usually they're investors, and mm -hmm. looked at how many transactions were happening. And, and I think it was in the last 30 days, there was like two or 300 properties purchased by investors in the last month. And I said, now, look at this. Let's look at the prices. We started looking at the prices and looking at the zip codes. It was mm -hmm. like, holy cow, these, you, you look at the numbers and there's people buying houses at huge discounts, even in a competitive market like Denver, where prices yeah. are going crazy. And they said, well, there's no deals out there. What are these guys doing? They're buying yeah. deals. And sometimes it just helps to look at that. If you think you're in a competitive market, look at recent transactions. It does a couple things. It shows you who's buying houses and where are they buying houses, what are they paying for them, and who is buying those houses. And you can... Yeah. You know, maybe get deals from them or, or, or use add them to your buyers list and stuff like that. So, I like that. I like how you uh, yeah. just encourage people and take make them take action. That's really good. This is really psychology. When sure. you're initial, initially into an investing, you're interested. I've I'm I'm far enough into this where I'm willing to pay some money to somebody. To go, these are people that love information. I will give information till I just can't even stand up anymore. But hey, once we start talking about action and being accountable, the the number shrinks. It just shrinks down. You know, you get people that are entrepreneurial; um, they don't need any coaching. They're going to go out and make fifty thousand mistakes, and they'll just keep going. They're just not going to be. De they're just so determined that they're going to do this. They just keep going, you know, but those people that uh, that don't have that quality, I don't think you should let them go. I, I, I think there's there's I think it's just absolutely phenomenal and wonderful to see a person come through, show up and, and do something they didn't think they were capable of. That to me is just an absolute blessing. It's so awesome, you know, because then it just changes your entire life, not just, hey, I made some money flipping a house. Now you're talking about I can do anything. I can absolutely do anything. I know how I can go out here now and take this same kind of uh, focus and apply it to other places in my life. Things that used to scare me, things that will frighten me. I don't want to do this. I'm afraid, you know, you can be your own coach. Once you're empowered like that, you can do anything. There, There is nothing to be afraid of. That's good. You know, so... It, 
it's a fun, fun type thing. I enjoy that. I really enjoy being able to do that. Some people just don't want to do it. They have to yeah. back out. You know, they just you got to let them go. Patrick, any um, let's be winding this up here. Any advice that you could give to somebody that wants to get into rehabbing, gets into the bigger deals? Where can they start? What should they do? What What are some of the things they need to change in their mind, in their brain? Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm advocating probably against the uh, wisdom that you would hear or see in any kind of a real estate business is that I, I mean, I'm advocating that people do not quit their job. Don't quit your job and say Monday morning, I'm going to be an entrepreneur and I'm going to start a real estate business. I'm telling people, keep your job, keep your financial situation just the way it is. If you're over here working for, let's say in San Diego, Qualcomm is a big employer. You're working at Qualcomm. You have a good job. Let's say you own a house, you rent a house, whatever it is, you're making your payments. You know, you can still go to dinner. You can still, um, you know, maintain your lifestyle and then get out here and start taking some action towards learning how to evaluate property. You can do this after work. You can do this on the weekends. If you're serious about you want to change your life, you don't have to change it in 24 hours, you know. But this is a harder group of or individual type people to to transition over because they have that financial background already there in place. Yeah. You know, even if it's not a lot of money, I'm making thirty thousand dollars a year. At least I know I'm getting paid every two weeks. You know, you quit your job. I quit my the one of the best jobs I ever had in my life in San Diego and moved to Arizona in this little town. Because I knew I would never be an investor if I stayed in San Diego with that comfortable job. It wouldn't happen. And I really wanted to do this. So I moved out there and just uh, flailed around. But, you know, I'm not advocating people do that. I've said keep your job and learn how initially to evaluate property. And that's what I've been talking to people about all of this last week was acquisition, how to really know when you have a deal how to be able to pull the trigger. So when that time comes and you're ready to start putting offers in, you know, you will feel comfortable enough that, you know, you can trust your decision instead of waiting till the perfect time when everything lines up, my kids are going to get out of, uh, going to get into high school and then uh, I'm going to have, you know, that's not going to happen. It's never going to happen. It's never going to be a perfect time. But when you gain confidence by practicing what we're, we're teaching here, I'm, I'm giving people the bare bones, exactly what you need to do to flip your first house. That's it. Not how to start a business, not how to be a wholesaler, not how to go out here and take over San Diego real estate. Just get that first one done because if they do that and get through that, they're going to be off and running. So start easy, get a condo, take something simple that's cheap, inexpensive, and just go out there and spend some time looking at these things on the weekend. You can find them on the internet. You don't have to know a realtor. Go on to uh, Redfin. I love Redfin because it's easy to work with. Mm -hmm. Comps are right there. Go look at some comps. Get This is not a dream. This is a business, and you have to work at it just like anything. But it's if you like it, enjoy it, it's fun. I mean, because it's different all the time. And good. when you get to that point, 
where you're ready to put an offer in on something simple like a condo, then you get your. We have contracts available that you can uh, hold a general contractor to, and you know you're not going to have any problems. Just follow the follow the uh, follow the dotted lines. It's really not that hard. Good, good. But you know that's just just to get people started. That's, that's good what advice. my whole goal is. That's good advice. How can people get a hold of you, Patrick? And where can they? Get more information about you and what you do. You go to flipyourfirsthouse.com. We have a uh, a nice little tool on there that's free. Got tons of videos. Everything's free. The deal analyzer is on there is 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 a is a, a tool and it's a spreadsheet that will help you uh, learn how to put offers in and make sure that you're you know you have some profit. It's just a, it's a nice tool. It's free. You can download it. You can also go to flipyourfirsthouse.com slash webinar, and it's how to earn your first paycheck flip on a house in the next six months. It's just step by step, and that's all we're focused on. We're not focused on this. I think people get too much information. We're trying to give them a smaller amount of information and more action. Good. Action-oriented. I know when uh, Todd told me about you and what you're doing and uh, how much he believes in you, I knew we wanted to have you on the show. I thought I knew you'd be a good guest to have on the show. It's 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 obvious your passion for this business. It's obvious that you have this passion uh, to help people and help them grow. And and rehabbing is a very very profitable means of making a lot of money in the business, right? So, uh, yeah, definitely. If any of you guys have interest in learning how to rehab houses the right way, the safe way, the way that will make you a lot of money. Definitely check out Patrick Cleary's stuff. And if you go to flipyourfirsthouse.com, get a bunch of free information, flipyourfirsthouse.com. And if you want to see the webinar, you do .com slash webinar. Good, Patrick. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to be on the podcast. Appreciate it. I appreciate it, Joe. I thank you for having me on the show. And nice to meet you also, Alex. Hey, good uh, to hear have you on, Pat. Yeah, this has been great. I appreciate it, you guys. All right. Hey, thanks, guys. Again, if you want more information or you want the show notes for this podcast, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com, realestateinvestingmastery.com. And you can find this show by just going to the search bar and typing in Patrick, and you'll find the uh, show notes for this and the links and stuff that we talked about. You can also get our Fast Cash Survival Kit there at uh, realestateinvestingmastery.com. All right, see you guys. Bye-bye. All right, see you. Take care. Bye.